This is Alan Conlon with the Becker's Healthcare Podcast, and I'm delighted to be joined today by Kurt Robel, who's the president of Geisinger Health Plan in Pennsylvania. Kurt, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today. Oh, great. Thanks, Alan. Fantastic. So before we dive into the goings-on at Geisinger Health Plan and some wider payer trends, I'd love for you to tell us a little bit more about your career and your background. Oh, sure. Um, my background, well, um, I've, I've been in a number of, I've worked at a number of insurance companies, um, primarily in an actuarial position, um, both on the pricing and underwriting side, worked with um, organizations like United Healthcare, Pacific Care, and Humana, and I've been at Geisinger for the last eight years. I started off here as the chief actuary. I became the CFO and then ultimately the president a couple of years ago. Fantastic. Well, again, delighted to have you on the podcast. And before further ado, let's jump into some of these questions that we have prepared for you today. First and foremost, Kurt, I'd love to tell us a little bit about Geisinger Health Plans. Specifically, how have you been able to build a platform to help meet the health system's goals? Yeah, we've been we've been at it for a long time. So Geisinger Health Plan started in 1985. So it's one of the situations where we really built up the infrastructure and the ability to manage an insurance organization for a long period of time. But one of the key drivers of our success, and, and by the way, I should share with your audience that we have over 500,000 members at GHP um, as part of all, all the different product lines, including Medicare Advantage, Medicaid, and commercial as well. And in terms of our success, I think it starts with our connection with our, our hospital system. That strong connection between us and our, our our provider is extremely important. And one of the things that we found is that when you when you connect the the health plan with our provider system, we get the best results. We get better results from a quality perspective. We get better results on um, utilization, healthcare costs, really throughout the entire gamut of what you, what would be important from a health plan perspective. We do better. So I think it starts with that that strong connection. Another is just our local nature of, of our employee base and how we're connected with the community. Um, if you look at Geisinger in totality, it's been in central Pennsylvania for over 100 years. And we really draw on that local connection. And particularly when I think about our operations and our employees at the health plan, we have a strong connection to the community and we have a deep knowledge of not only Geisinger um, as a system, but also the other providers in the area. And that strong connection, we believe, allows us to provide better customer service and a better connection with our with our members. One of the things that we're very proud of is that we've won the JD Power Award two straight years now. And we think it's because of that strong connection to the community and that connection that our employees have has, has really been a key differentiator for us. Uh, on the on the orthopedic side of things, Becker's also reported on one Geisinger initiative last year to offer a lifetime guarantee for total hip and knee replacement patients. Can you tell us a little bit more about this initiative and kind of expand on what it hopes to achieve? Yeah, we we um, we're, we're passionate about ensuring that people have a good member experience, a good patient experience for us. And so one of the things that we've looked at is ensuring that people have um, an understanding of what their cost exposure is and that they have an experience from start to end, to, to end that is a favorable one. And we believe we have the clinical, um, the clinical capabilities to do that. So this guarantee was part of that, just ensuring people that they, when they do come to guys, they're going to have that positive experience and we can bring um, price consistency, cost consistency as part of that. Uh, it's certainly interesting to see how that evolves over the coming years. 
current in 2022, I know we're just uh, kicking off the year, but what are the top one or two issues consuming most of your time today? Oh, it's uh, well, it's been an interesting couple of years, I think, for just about everyone in healthcare, whether if, whether or not you're on the payer side or the provider side. And one of the things I'd say, even looking about the last couple of years, it's, it's always changed and it's almost always been related to, to COVID. So it's um, been a very interesting um, couple of years and just seeing all the changes. And when I think about things that are top of mind for me right now, just something that was um, initiated last week is um, at-home testing for, for COVID, at-home COVID testing, and how we're going to finance that and ensure that, that our members have access to those tests. So that's just one example of how COVID has changed what we do on a day-to-day basis and how we're having to react fairly quickly to changes um, in the environment. Um, other things that we're focused on, and it's going to be uh, no different than what other payers, providers are, are working on, is um, being able to manage a team and a staff in a virtual world. We have about, I'd say about 99% of our employee base is work from home and trying to ensure a connection and um, ensuring that we're getting the best possible um, work, but also the best possible possible experience for our members in a virtual environment we think is extremely important. The last thing in terms of things that are high in my list of things that we're working on, we're actually very excited about it. We're going um, statewide for, for Medicaid. Right now we're focused in our core central Pennsylvania area in terms of us providing um, coverage for people in Medicaid. We're looking at seven one um, just in you know less than less than six months going statewide in Medicaid and it's a great opportunity for us to take the model and what we've been able to develop here in central Pennsylvania and take it statewide. Oh, God, it's really interesting to keep keep an eye on what's going on at Geisinger there. Uh, another pair trend I really wanted to pick your brains on it was obviously this move towards risk based contracting. Uh, I believe more providers opting to use risk-based Medicare models with nearly 60% of health systems now preferring them, according to one survey last year. Where do you see the best opportunity for risk-based contracting uh, moving forward? Um, well, a couple of points I make, and I, I think this is not going to be a surprise to any of the listeners, but certainly Medicare Advantage would be the first place to start from thinking about it from a line of business perspective. But just as you zoom out and think about a big picture, the point of value-based contracting is to ensure that there's alignment between what the providers are doing on a day-to-day basis and what kind of outcome we'd like. And just keeping, I think that in mind is important. We, as a health plan, as a system, we want to ensure that our our partner providers um, have the same, not only the same incentives, but the engagement that we need to ensure that they provide the best possible service, the best possible quality, the best possible outcomes for our members. And I think value-based contracting offers that opportunity by bringing that, that consistency, that, that connection between financial incentives and what their actual outcome would be. So I, I think that's important. The other thing as we think about value-based contracting is making sure that it's, it's simple enough for providers and our partners to understand. One thing that I've seen in the past in, in many forms is, is more complex arrangements that don't um, that make it more difficult for for providers to understand the ultimate goals, and we want to make it simple. We want to make sure that providers are engaged and that we get the ultimately the outcomes we want to see. Uh, how are you thinking about value based care in, in the next five years from now as we continue to to move away from fee for service? How do you kind of see these value based care models evolving? Yeah, I I mean I think we're we're all seeing it move. Um, I mean, right now, from a line of business, like I, I said earlier, Medicare Advantage is the starting point. 
Um, I think it's going to move to be um, more. I think there's going to be a certain degree of need for simplicity, but then also tools, information, data to help providers uh, make that move from fee-for-service to more of a value-based um, arrangement. I think data and analytics are an important piece of that, um, but also making it reasonably simple so that people can actually change behavior. One thing I would say is if you're not changing behavior and you're still instilling that fee-for-service mindset, then ultimately you don't win. You need to change behavior. You need to have engagement. And I think tools and that financial connection is an important one. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, and Kirk, just to come back on, obviously you said you, like no other healthcare leaders, code certainly to the top of mind for you and taking up a lot of your time. But what do you envision the lasting impact of COVID becoming on the, the U.S. healthcare system? Yeah, that's a great that's a great question, Alan. I I think one thing I'd say is I've 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 certainly been wrong as we've gone through this pandemic in terms of predictions of what was going to happen. But one thing I I think we're seeing and it's it's a trend, and um, it's something that we all know intuitively, but I, I think the pandemic has really brought it out, and that's just simply that health is really important. And in particular, people that provide care, people that are there when an emergency happens like we've experienced over the last couple of years, um, those people are very important. And certainly I'm connected to a, a health system, but you can see um, just how communities react. And when when people, nurses, doctors get up each day, put themselves in harm's way to help people during a very difficult time, um, I think people are, are, and I think it's one of those things where people always knew that, but I think this experience with COVID has really brought it out and how important hospital systems are, how important providers are. And when I think about the long-term uh, impact of all this, I, I really hope that's one thing that really comes to, comes to the top is the importance of providers and hospitals and health systems is so, so important. And I think we're, we're, we're realizing that more and more um, that when things go a very difficult direction as they have the last couple of years, is that um, our hospital systems have been there to, to, to provide support during that time. Um, so I, I think that's probably the biggest thing. I, some other things I'd add is I think um, um, aware, greater awareness around mental health challenges um, are going to become increasingly more important, particularly as we move to a world that's more virtual. I think that's going to become increasingly important and and I would say also increasingly important for employers as well as our overall society to make sure that people have the services and they have the support they need to manage in a in a much different world and in many cases a more di- a more difficult world. Uh, so true. Really, really fantastic to get your perspective on, on this evolving situation. Really interested to see how this plays out in, in the coming years. Kurt, thank you so much for joining us again on, on the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. It was a real pleasure speaking today and look forward to connecting with you again soon. Yeah, that sounds great, Alan. I enjoyed it. Take it easy.